Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Chris Desi. Now, Chris is an award-winning digital thinker, author, television and radio commentator, public speaker, and educator. He's the CEO and founder of Silverback Social, which is an award-winning digital marketing agency. He regularly appears on all kinds of network television and um, other, um, other promotional places. He's a personal branding contributor to Inc.com and Success Magazine, and he produces the Westchester Digital Summit, which was named by Forbes in 2015 as one of the conferences that will keep you ahead of marketing trends this year. He's written three books. The latest is a leading personal branding book titled Remarkable You, Build a Personal Brand and Take Charge of Your Career. Welcome, Chris. Well, thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit, and and I I love the topic of personal branding because it's something that's near and dear to my heart as well, but tell me why do you think personal branding is such an important topic for us to talk about? I think the world has changed. I feel like the generation before us, there was a sort of, uh, and it was okay to work for one company for 20 to 30 years and do that one thing repetitively every single year. And while our generation, I'm a Gen Xer, um, uh-huh. or even uh, younger, even some of the older millennials, um, sort of had touched that a little bit where it was, okay, let's get a job, let's get the education, let's go about uh, our business of doing that job over and over. But because of the economy, because of technology, because of outside factors that are impacting our workforce and the things that are happening within our daily jobs, now more than ever, it is so paramount that individuals have a personal brand out there. When I say personal brand, I mean a digital identity. I mean that if I Google your first name, last name, all of those results that show up that are tertiary to just your, you know, your profile photograph on your company website, anything that can be construed as outside of the company website is your personal brand. So that means LinkedIn, Medium blog posts, personal blog posts, contributing articles, content that's written about you, content where you're interviewing others, video content, anything in the, the, the world wide web, um, as people used to say when it first came out, is uh, you're part of your personal brand. And it's so important now. Um, you know, the examples that I like to point to are companies that people feel that they're very stable and that they're not going anywhere, like ESPN a few months ago did a major round of layoffs for senior level executives. And in their PR announcement, they said that these executives were making six figures. And I'm certain that those executives were not prepared to be unemployed, weren't prepared to be out looking for a job, especially at a senior level like that. Now, those who had built a personal digital brand and perhaps had done some public speaking based on their vertical and their industry that had perhaps been uh, written some contributing articles uh, about what they were doing for a career or those that had contributed via LinkedIn or Medium or their own personal blog certainly would have a leg up as opposed to those individuals that found themselves unemployed and working diligently on their resume. What might have worked 10 years ago certainly does not and will not ever work again. I think that's a great point because too often, I mean, don't you find that, that there are people you may be connected to on LinkedIn 
but you never hear from them. You don't see anything, and then all of a sudden they update their profile and they're contacting you and they're trying to get in front of you. And what is it? They they either are about to be laid off or they've been laid yeah. off or they've left a job or something happened, and it's like, whoa, we've got to play catch-up. So I think one of the key points you're saying here is this is not something you can do in an emergency overnight. This is a process that's got to be more holistic and, and take time to be done correctly. Yeah, and it should never be done in, uh, you know, done hastily, right? It shouldn't be in that last-minute panic attack of, oh, my God, I need to start creating my personal brand. And frankly, that's how I started doing it. I was looking for a job in, in you know, the early 2000s, and I was a director of sales, wanted to be a vice president of sales. And all I realized was that headhunters were sending me on jobs to be another director of sales at a different right. at a different company. And I was like, wait a minute, you know. I'm ready to take the leap here. I've been doing this for a bunch of years. I'm ready to go higher. And I realized that nobody knew how good I was except for my boss and my clients. And a lot of people find themselves in that situation that the even if they're excellent at their job and they're not looking for a job, that the only people that understand how valuable they are are individuals that can't help them get to that next level or don't need to help them get to that next level, right. clients and bosses. So I wrote my first blog post and got a job as a VP of ad sales. And I talk, I refer to it as my $260,000 blog post because it was my first blog post. I sent it to the hiring manager that sent it to the person that I was going to meet with who was coming in from Berlin to interview me. And all we did during the interview, guess what? We talked about the blog post. The guy didn't even exactly. look at my resume and I got the job and I was like, ah, I'm onto something. This is power. Wow. And this is true. And you talk about that not, it's not just the kind of thing that you build at once, but being active and you should be active in doing this. So what do you recommend for people in terms of being active and keeping that brand alive and vibrant and growing? I recommend that people do what's comfortable for them. And, and that's a really important first step because people tend to get apoplectic when I say, oh, blogging, I don't, I don't have time to brush my teeth <laughs> in the morning. How am I going to blog, you know? Right. And, and man, I get it. You know, it's just one of those things where, I totally understand it. But if, in fact, that first step is updating your LinkedIn profile um, and just making sure that it doesn't read like a resume, that it does right. have a personal touch, that it does talk about perhaps your volunteer work or things that you're passionate about uh, or awards that you've been given through your organization, that's perfectly fine as well. But chipping away at that stuff, maybe on the weekends for a half hour here, half hour there in the evenings, that's a great first step. When people start to blog – Really, again, it falls back to do what's comfortable for you. And I always joke. I'm like, listen, there's no better time than the present, but you've spent a year fighting it. And if you had spent that year committing one blog post per month, you'd have a repository of 12 amazing blog posts. And boy, isn't that easy. Just saying one blog post per month. I think you can chip away at one thing for yourself per month. And that's what people tend to forget, right? This isn't – it's not uh, – it, you're invested in, you're investing in long-term equity in you. That's why my book title is titled Remarkable You. It is about yep. investing in yourself. So you're investing cash money in your home, you're investing cash money in your family, you're putting money away for your children's education, you even put money away for a vacation. Why on earth would you not invest in your career and your livelihood and what's going to catapult you perhaps to another tax bracket in the next five to ten years? So it's simple, it's baby steps, but it's paramount. 
I think you're absolutely right, and I see the same thing. And I talk to people about how they are their brand. You know, they are the product or service, and they have all the same characteristics. You have a, you have a, a set of features and benefits. You have um, brand characteristics. You have a price. You have a package. You have people that talk brand. about you, etc. And yet, people look at me like they don't get it. And and you know, well, I, I'm doing well, and I've worked hard, and I should get promoted, or I should get recognized and it doesn't help it doesn't happen this way in, in today's world so I, I think this is, is fascinating what you're saying um, and, and of course we have these tools now on the internet that we um, that we didn't have a few years ago so we can actually go ahead and and really use those to our own personal benefit yeah and know what happens to it's almost this sort of reliance on others to promote us and give us bigger salaries and take care of us and I'm almost saying like forget that because you're going to get overlooked for the promotion, you're going to miss the big job, you're going to yep. like you're going to get passed over no matter what, no matter how good you are, there will be a moment in your career where where you say, "Oh, that was mine," and somebody else gets it. This is right. just a different way of looking at things, and this is saying, "Take control of your own destiny. Be the person that 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 shapes what that next role is. Be the person that perhaps perhaps by blogging, all you're doing is documenting the big ideas that you have. Maybe you've got a team of 35 people that you manage and you love it, but you've got all these different ideas that you're articulating to that team of 35 people consistently, and maybe you feel like they're not listening to you. And maybe blogging is just a form of documentation of those different ideas so that when somebody comes to you and you're swamped and you're overwhelmed, they say, I have a question about HR. You say, two weeks ago, I wrote a blog post about it. Start there and then, then set a meeting with me tomorrow. And we could talk about it. Now, you're 90% through that conversation with that person. They understand your thoughts, your feelings, your objectives about that topic, and you've already shared that information in writing. That's hugely powerful. So if you use it that way where it's not just, oh, I want to get another job, but perhaps it's investing in yourself, investing in your team, and documenting the things that you're learning along the way, then you start to flex that muscle. Then you get a little bit better at writing. Then you get a little bit better at communicating. Then you get a little bit better at writing headlines that are compelling, and you get outside readers. Then you get people that excited about what you're doing internally, and then that buoys everything that you're doing in the company. Then all the other executives that have 35 people to manage go, hey, what the heck are you doing? That's really compelling. You guys are getting sales just by the blog that you guys are dealing with? So the options are endless. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. I, I, think, I agree with you 100%. I think and it's, it, people get overwhelmed, and, it, and it's the same thing as if you said to, today, I'd like to run a marathon, you would not go out tomorrow and run 26 miles. You would start exactly. by first getting the right equipment and then stretching, maybe getting in shape and getting a trainer, and maybe you walk a little bit, then you run a short period, then you run a little longer, and then before you know it, you can run the 26 miles. And I think it's yeah. the same thing here. Yeah. So let's, so let's talk about that a minute. So let's give some of your listeners some tools. So let's, let's talk, to, talk about tools, right? So people okay. come to me and they say, they say, Chris, I'm not a good writer. And you keep talking about blogging. And I say, that's fine. You don't have to be a good writer. In fact, I'm a horrendous writer, yet I've written three books, right? Because I figure ways to, to I figure out ways to do things. I figure out ways to create things. And that's the that's the energy I want people to come from is to figure out a way to create blog content. Why? Because right now that medium is hugely powerful, right? You got SEO, you get backlink to things, you can right. you can publish on platforms that will get a great amount of readers. You're an author too, so you understand this. You write a book. It's very yep. powerful for for brand equity, etc. So I don't know how to write. I'm not and, and listen, it's not people's fault because even no matter what we were taught in in high school, we forgot that when we went away to college and we had to write papers for college and then we got 
these big corporate jobs, and then we got even worse because we started speaking corporate speak. We started using marketing vernacular, and it just became muddied waters, right? Install an app called Hemingway App. And Hemingway app is very simple. You can write your blog post on a Word document, and you dump your post into the Hemingway app, and the Hemingway app will tell you the grade level in which you've written your content. And here's the rub. You want to write your content in a fourth to maybe fifth or sixth grade reading level, right? The New York Times is written, I think, at a seventh grade reading level. The reason why it's called Hemingway app is because Ernest Hemingway wrote The Old Man in the Sea at a fourth grade reading level. Why? Because simple – is hard. Yep. Simple words to communicate big ideas, that's difficult. That is the hardest thing in business. But if you can master that, if you can master that simplicity of communication by writing, by leverage, you know, cheating a little, hey, I'm going to leverage an app to help make my writing a little bit more impactful, that's where you start. So you install Hemingway app. And hey, once you write that content, here are some other tips. Don't write a paragraph longer than three sentences ever in anything that you're publishing online, ever. Three sentences, next paragraph. Three sentences, next paragraph. In the first three paragraphs of every new blog post that you write, add a link back to old content so you create a branded viral loop. right? So you're now on your fifth, sixth, seventh blog post. If there's three links in the top portions of each one of those blog posts back to your other content, you're just sharing great content with the reader but it happens to be your content. So you're keeping them in your ecosystem. Then here's the other thing. You need a great headline. You need something that's tweetable, that's going to be easily digestible, that's going to tell a story very quickly. Listicles are great. People get a little sick of them, but listen, they work. For your listeners that don't know, listicles are just like five reasons why, five ways to, six ways to. If they're writing a headline like that, odd numbers always work better than even numbers. And if they want to take it to the next level and they want to analyze the headlines that they're playing with, they can go to co-schedule headline analyzer. Literally just Google that, co-schedule headline analyzer, and there's an algorithm. You take your, your headline, you put it in that algorithm, and they will tell you whether you have a number, whether, that, whether you have powerful words, whether you have emotional words, whether the title is too long and it needs to be shortened. It will tell you whether it's an appropriately written title for appropriately shareable content within our digital world. There, tools. <laughs> Sounds great. I mean, and, and here's what's interesting: all of these are things that you can do without being a um, an English major or, or former English major and a an avowed exactly. writer. So it's all things that people can do. The other thing I think we need to mention is that not all blog posts need to be text. You can put in short videos. You can put in audios. You can have a podcast 100%. like we have here. Yep. So it's not yep. just writing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that, but that's the that's the power, right? That's the flip. That's social media. Social media is taking every major major media invention in the past 500 years, flipping it on its head, and planting it in the Web 1.0 world. Meaning, printing press, radio, television, movies, all of that. Roll it into a website, and that's social media. So you don't have to go to a newspaper and ask for them to write about you in the newspaper. You can create a blog. You don't have to go to a television station and ask for them to write an ad. You can create your own video content with your webcam. You don't have to go to uh, you know, radio stations. You create your podcast, tell movies. You can create your own movie, et cetera, et cetera. So you become the creator, and that's the empowerment move. Absolutely, and I think that's absolutely critical. Wow. So fantastic ideas. I want to move, though, I want to talk a little bit about one of your other books, which is called Just Like sure. You. And uh, yeah. I want you to just share with us one of the reasons that you wrote this book, because I think it's very powerful. 
There's a bunch of reasons. <laughs> I think uh, I, I started on a little bit of a journey with my blog where I had been blogging for many years, and I was curious to learn learn from the people that were in my ecosystem. I'm very lucky. I've been very, very blessed. Um, and, and people should know this about blogging content. I blogged consistently for a bunch of years, and a producer Googled social media guru. And I had written a blog post that was truthful to me at that time. And I said, if anybody calls themselves a social media guru, they're full of it because I thought it was ridiculous. People calling mm-hmm. themselves gurus. I was like, this changes too quickly. The producer thought that that was funny, Googled my name, found a bunch of content that he thought was really compelling, saw that I had actually done a blog post with video content. So you're spot on with that. Said, okay, the guy can string a few sentences together. And then that day he put me on television and it was solely because of my blogging, because I was being truthful to myself, and because I had a little bit of video content. So it was everything that you and I just talked about, and all of a sudden my career was off to a different trajectory. But by virtue of that, and by virtue of doing the TV stuff and producing an event, I've met some really compelling, really interesting people. And I just got curious about them. I was kind of like, how did they get to this spot in their journey? I'm just meeting them now, but man, they've been successful for years. So instead of just trying to come up with my own stuff on my blog, I figured I would start interviewing the people that I thought were most successful, whether it be completely fulfilled in their jobs and their lives with their families or people that were writing books that were, you know, hosting television shows, et cetera. And I began those interviews. And throughout that process, you know, it was cathartic for me. My father was, was dealing with a terminal disease, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And at the end of compiling the book, um, my dad had already passed, unfortunately. I was like, boy, it would have been really cool if I could have gotten an interview of my dad here and I could have you know, included him in the book. Uh, because after those blog interviews, I said, let me just put it together and create a book. And I realized, and it dawned on me, I'm not that bright, that a friend of mine, Jeff Perlman, who is a sports illustrator writer, is a New York Times bestselling uh, sports biographer, had actually interviewed my dad a few years prior um, just because he was curious about what it was like to live with ALS. And I, I used that interview with Jeff's permission as the final interview in Just Like You. Um, and really it was just proof to the world that people that we all deem as you know, hyper-successful and people that have overcome astronomical obstacles are really just like you and me. Um, and it, it even goes back to the same zeitgeist of Remarkable You. It's everything that I'm about is my push to education and empowerment for people that I come in contact with, um, for people to define what makes them unique and what makes them successful and what makes them remarkable and how they can help define that within themselves by learning about other people on their journeys and maybe perhaps at some point finding a commonality or a line of commonality from all of those different stories. And that's how Just Like You was born. But I think it's a compelling story, too, for bloggers. It's the fact that after a bit of time, if you're blogging really compelling content that people are interested in learning more about, heck, staple it together, and you've got a book. Wow. And so so it's interesting how this whole evolved. I love the story, though, about your dad because you dedicated the book to your dad, and proceeds from the book go to support ALS research. So I, I think it's yeah. powerful, and the, the fact that there was this interview you could take and, and leverage is, is just fascinating yeah. because I've read it, and it's very powerful. But again, you. Um, you didn't start by saying, I'm going to write a book, which I think is overwhelming to most people. You started by saying, let me start to do these interviews. And then once you had these interviews, uh, it's like, gee, we could put these together and we can have a book. So it, yeah. it starts to kind of become a little bit more holistic again. Yeah, and I'm not the first person to do that. I mean, I, I actually thought of it because um, James Altucher had talked about his wife's, I think it was his ex-wife, his ex-wife's first book about yoga. 
uh, was because she was just consistently blogging about yoga and she was giving all these tips and all these tricks. And after like a year and a half, he's like, you realize you have a book right now, don't you? And she was like, what? <laughs> and then, yeah, she took the blog post, stapled it together, and, you know, do some editing and get, get a cover, uh, put, the, put together a cover. And, and again, you know, you alluded, it, alluded to it earlier. Now, because of this technology, we all have access to this. It's just sweat equity. It's just right. figuring it out. It's just, you know, oh, I can't just staple together and get a book. I've got to get a publisher. No, you don't. You can go on CreateSpace uh, through exactly. Amazon. You can, you can pub- publish it as a Kindle. You can, you can give it away. It could be for free. You have free Kindle, and, and you just leverage that. And, and when you give it away on your blog, just aggregate emails, and then you can market to the people whose emails you get. So it's just about understanding how you can leverage this content to get you know, your piece of uh, – your little bit of remarkable out to the world. I love it. I love it. So tell me, because um, we could talk for hours, but I want to finish up here. But before we do, tell me about some of the things you've learned about leadership since you launched Silverback about four years ago. Oh, my God. I've learned so much about leadership. Um, I used to think leadership was about uh, dictating, um, and I think I lost I, – I got a little bit uh, confused with delegating and dictating. And instead of delegation and empowerment, I ended up dictating, and that was a huge problem. Um, and I also I, – what I learned as well is that as a leader, you can't just uh, – gosh, how do I put this? You need to ensure that your projection of that person is in alignment with what that person envisions as their marching orders, Right. And it happened to me a few different times where I thought people were capable of certain things and they just crumbled in certain areas. Um, and then I found with other people that have excelled and exceeded all of my expectations that those people were able to pick up the ball and just do astronomical things. Um, and it was, I always joke, I'm like, you know, people are like, oh, you, you know, can you come speak at our leadership conference? And I'm like, I'm the worst leader ever. Like, it's, it's like <laughs> you know, but it's the, it's the people that, that, that are drawn to you. By, that follow what you're doing and follow your lead are the ones that are going to take you to the, to the next level. And the people that were kind of coming in to try and uh, punch a clock, a nine to five, it just didn't resonate for me and in, in, in my ecosystem and what we're doing at, you know, at Silverback Social. It's very fast-paced digital marketing agency, uh, producing the Westchester Digital Summit, my public speaking, the TV stuff, the books, all that stuff. You need a certain brand of human being around you. And now that I've got some exceptional human beings around me, I find that as a leader, what do I do? I learn. I shut up and I listen and I learn. And that's the most, uh, probably the biggest lesson. I think that's absolutely critical because too many leaders think they're there to, you're right, to dictate and, and to say exactly, here's what you need to do and here's how you need to do it. And I think what's very interesting is, is that you bring the right people around you and you enable them to do their best work and then you learn from it. And I think good leaders yeah. learn from the people around them all the time. Yeah, and I think it's – and frankly, it's been uh, one of the most beautiful emotional rides ever. I, have, I had a, uh, a marketing executive that became my chief marketing officer that became my business partner. And really? about three weeks ago, uh, he keynoted an event for nonprofits that I was able to be in the audience and hear him speak. Um, and we've been working together for four years and to listen to him. Afterward, I was I got emotional, and at the end, I was I gave him a big hug, and I'm like, I I I heard every conversation that you and I have had for the past four years in that one hour speech. It was unbelievable. It was absolutely unbelievable. So, it's a really magical, beautiful thing when uh, 
when you learn from people that you think you're leading, but they're actually leading you and making you better. That's fantastic. We're talking with Chris Desi, who is the author of Remarkable You, Build a Personal Brand and Take Charge of Your Career. So, Chris, if people wanted to find out more about you and get your books, where would they go? They can find my books on Amazon, and or they can just go to chrisdesi.com, and all that information is there. If they want to learn more about my agency, they can go to silverbacksocial.com. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Okay, this is Linda Popke. Until next time, thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, contact us at www.leverage2market.com.